This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. Today Joe and Matthew are joined by artist Shauna Riley. They discuss work habits, control, the forces of nature, mindfulness meditation, studio seating, John Cage, and impermanence. This is, or was, episode 33. Listeners will not be able to see the glitter Buddha that's sitting below the mic. We have to give it a shake. And you have to give, yeah. give it a shake. and there then uh, The glitter Buddha snow globe. It's pretty awesome. It, it is. Really is. It is. <laughs> um, I'm Matthew. This is Joe. I'm Shauna. Shauna Riley is our conversation guest today. Yeah. I first walked around with you in there was a show at Atlanta Contemporary. Okay. It was a curator, curator tour, tour and I'm walking around and yeah. that was the first time I was I introduced to your work. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's been a little while. That was probably two thousand eleven. Could have been. It could have been. Yeah. Back when I was here. I miss being here. I like I liked the studio here. You like yeah, the community? That's, that's a yeah. Idea. I um it's pretty isolating when you're working just by yourself and you're in your own little studio that's off by its lonesome and you know you don't have somebody else I used to be I'm a bit of a night owl so I would be here working at three or four in the morning and I'd look out Michi's down there working at three or four in the yeah. morning and he and I are like hey hey just going about our work but it was it was nice that there was somebody else around who was doing something and yeah I find that fascinating about this place though like the different shifts you know I mean, yeah. people are teaching or they're right. working they have kids whatever but um, yeah there's so many different uh, routines and then, like you said there's the night shift the, the night early shift. birds and, ooh I have uh, a new word that I fell in love with noctilucent oh mm-hmm. nice shining at night it usually refers to clouds but I like I decided that yeah I shine at night I'm pretty much like to, after 11 o'clock at night I start getting my second wind and wanting to paint have you always been that way? yeah Oh, I was the little kid they had to chase out from behind the sofa yeah, at wow. like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, mm-hmm. listening to the grown-ups talk. How do you? Uh, I mean, would you say, um, in terms of sleep? It's tough when you work a full-time job. Yeah. It really is because I want to stay up and keep working until three or four in the morning, but I can't do that. But right you pay now. dearly. Yeah. But yeah, so I've, I for a while I tried going to work at six in the morning. And leaving, you know, late afternoon, going home, going straight to bed, getting up at 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and then painting. Wow. To get ready for a show. I did that for about three months. That was hell. Hell on a stick. I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. So I'm always trying to figure out how to do this so that I can still paint when I need to be painting in the middle of the night and still work when other human beings are at the office and they're looking for me. So that's tough. It is my, I, my production isn't what it used to be. You know, when I was, of course, my hair isn't going white anymore either. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a tough one, though, because I mean, yeah. I think it seems like that's a common refrain. Most people feel like they need to be making more, you yeah. know, instead of yeah. maybe focusing on the quality. But right. um, I've noticed, though, a couple even days this week of finally feeling like I'm on some kind of a rhythm, a good rhythm. Yeah. yeah. But having to make that adult decision, like. 
you could work for another couple hours, but you should get out now yeah. so that tomorrow. Because usually, like, you'll have those great you days. For it. Yeah, the next day you get in, and then suddenly it's like, oh man. I honestly decided to take about, I took about six months off making anything. Really? I did, just because it was it was becoming so stressful trying to find the time and do something that meant something to me. And by the time I've got this ritual where I clean my studio, mm -hmm. I clean my white table down to you know, pristine again, I make the substrates. While I'm doing all this, I'm sort of mentally preparing myself to make the work, and then I'm, you know, I've, I've got, you know, I do little mock-ups, which is kind of a joke because my work just does what it's gonna do, but mm -hmm. I start yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then I'm basically taping things off, and I'm setting up the parameters, and then by the time I, I get to it, it's like I'm in this great, place to start making work but now I should go to sleep because I've got to get up and go to work in the morning and then you know or I've got to go do something else and then it completely resets that whole it washes away that whole mindset and I've got to start all over yeah. again so I've actually worked it out where I work really long hours four days a week and then that gives me three day weekends and I start on Fridays and I will pull all nighters and try to get myself back on a normal schedule by Sunday night it's just, it's, I know it's insane, but it's what I have to do. Because my work, I have to sit with the work. I can't leave it. Right. And it sure. takes hours yeah. and hours because it's liquid and it's moving. And um, I can sit with something for 12 hours. And I can't leave for more than 20 minutes. So I have to plan ahead. I think that's where having a, you know, a studio close by or, yes. you know, like you said, home, yeah. you know, right. uh, is invaluable versus... It's true. You know, having to go somewhere and... It's kind of nice because you walk by it and you can look at something. Yeah. And then you keep moving and you do what you're doing. And then you walk back by it and you look at it again like, hmm. Or you put something up that you haven't been working on in a year or something. And you look at it and you're like, oh. You, you know, whatever you're working on now, you start messing with that old one and pulling it forward and changing mm -hmm. it up. And, and because you're walking by it all the time, you get to very slowly assess it, yeah. which is nice. That's the thing about a home studio, is it is integrated into the flow of your daily life and yeah. the work that you're making, you're experiencing right. and rethinking, and right. some people cannot handle that. Well, you, I, you, you know, my studio, my house is my studio. Right. Yeah. I, there's no living room, there's no dining room. There's, it, the whole front of the house is studio, so when I walk in the front door, I walk into the studio, and I've got to walk through it to get to the back of the house where I, you mm -hmm. know, basically got a place to shower, place to sleep, place to cook. That's it. And I love that's, it. Yeah, that's, that's, it. that's all I need. I, really, I love it. Know. I, I mean, sit I really down. love it. I never yeah. sit down. I don't even have a sofa. I aspire to a sofa. <laughs> that's what I want. One day when I have a studio, I'll know I've made it when I have a sofa. Two sofas. Two sofas. And they can sit, they'll face each other, and then I can pick it would which be corner nice. I want to sit in. I have to say, awesome. though, if I had a sofa yeah. or a comfortable chair, it's like yeah. you know, there would be more reading or there <laughs> yes. would be, you yeah. know, yeah. I, I a nap. A, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not yep. really a napper, but no. I mean, yeah. that could, that could yes. help. But I, could I just, help. yeah, I just feel like if I have... I was a studio assistant for somebody here um, for a while, and the very first job I had was find me the most comfortable, ugliest chair you possibly can. So I was on Craigslist, I was out there finding chairs and hauling chairs into the studio because there had to be a really comfy, but really ugly chair that didn't, so it didn't yeah. matter what happened to it. Um, and, and ever since then, like, I have to have a comfy chair in my studio. Yeah. Just one, just one, but a sofa. A sofa would be good. I want a sofa. You, you bring up a really good point though. Um, and again, I think 
getting distracted by this productivity, you know, quota. Yeah. Um, but the time it takes to look, to look, yes. to sit and spend time in which the presence feels of like thing. I should be doing, but you yeah. are doing something. You're you're working out this this right. puzzle. Uh, I know it's hard to sit and not produce. Yeah. I mean, physically, I mean, like if someone can't walk by and see you producing, it's like it doesn't count. Yeah. But yeah. You're, you're doing it, you're, you're just assessing. But if you can't stop and spend time with something and really, if, if you can't spend time with your work, I don't know how you expect somebody else is going to spend time with your work. So it's, I have a tough time with that because I'm slightly, you know, spinning a lot, hyperactive. A little well, bit, it's hard. So. It's really, really, really hard work. I find it excruciating to try to. You know, plot my next moves. And oh, I know. Visualize it, and right. uh, yeah. I think of a story that Milton Resnick tells about. I guess he had to loft, you know, next to De Kooning on uh, 14th Street, okay. uh, and he could see his studio from his from, from the window. And he was like talking about the hours that he would just see, you know, Bill as he called him, you know, just standing and, and staring, staring at whatever was on his easel. Yeah. Okay. And he talks about that a lot in any books you ever read. Yeah. But I mean. You know, years ago when I read that, I don't yeah. know if it really hit me with the impact that it does now, where I'm just like, yeah, that's okay, really... Just looking. Because it is easier. Like, just pick up a brush and, yeah. you know, have well, at it. I will then, say, too, that's though, right. there is, but there's also a meditative quality to the physical movement, too. It depends, I think, also on whether you are, I don't want to say analyzing the work, but visually contemplating it versus physically contemplating it. But don't you think they're just distinct phases you know like you said I, I, I totally agree with you in terms of mm -hmm. like the, the setup or like pre-production work which is yeah. great you don't right. have to really make decisions you know right. maybe you're no. stretching but it's really you're, good and you're physical yeah. right and it clears doing, your yeah. mind a little yeah. bit and there's not yeah. so much pressure like what if I don't put these staples in the right place right yes I think part of it has to do with the nature of my work when it's done it's done and I don't have a lot of opportunity to go back into it so it's very physical when I'm I can stare at it and go, oh, that sucks. Um, or I can stare and say, oh, that came out better than I had anticipated it might because I can't control them. Um, so there's, there's, I don't have a lot of that stopping and staring at it too much with the work I'm making right now. Except to say, yes, I like that, or eh, I'm not really happy with it because I've got one shot at it. Seemingly, um, yeah. it's simple, and okay. the burning question I have, though, is like, if you can talk about how and why and when did graphite oh. like, take over? Like, oh, I, I know exactly when it happened. Um, there was an artist named Christopher Cook. He is British. Um, he came over and gave a demo. I gave a talk about his work. Um, actually, I, I was busy. I wasn't going to go, and my friend's like, oh, come on, let's go, let's go. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I should go. So I went and I'm like, I, I looked at this work. I'm like, I really like this. This is pretty cool. And he's like, well, I'm giving a hands-on tomorrow if you want to come by and play with it, you know? So like 12 people came and my friend's like, oh, let's go, let's go. So I'm like, okay, fine. And like, I, so I went and he had all these stations set up and he had the paper out and he makes a, a liquid form of graphite. And he just put it on the paper and said, just start playing. And the minute I touched the stuff, I, I got it. I I just, I had this, it's like finding a rapport with the material that you understand, you don't have to fight with it. It's like, it's, it's removing that, um, you, it's almost like removing the tool between you and the thing. And I started playing with it and like, and ever since that day, 
I worked in nothing but graphite. Occasionally coal. I'll catch That's fantastic. Coal. Now, yeah. what was before that, though, just briefly? like Briefly before that, I was making, I was, um, I had played with, I, well, I used to do portraits. Very super tight, highly rendered. Okay, so it's paint, painting. Painting, drawing, painting, painting, drawing. And then I was doing more, like, sculpt, well, not sculptural, I want to say sculptural. It's like paintings where I would tear up, um, basically I would build a quilt out of fabrics and dip them in plaster and then tear them apart and reassess them and pour them with wax and paint and whatever. And they look like old buildings, with, but the pattern was still underneath somewhere. You could kind wow. of see the pattern. So it had that old chipping paint kind of feel because I'd pick up the plaster and crack it and pop it back down and pour things on it. So it was um, old buildings that were actually quilt patterns underneath of it. So, and they were all based on doors and beds and things that had to do with buildings and houses and things like that. But it was, it was fun, but it, I liked it, but I didn't have that, that losing myself like I do with this stuff. But still heavy process, which oh, heavy, always heavy process. Right, okay. Heavy. I spend so much time in my head, I need something that's very physical and, you know, something that, that I can physically interact mm -hmm. with. And yet, you're relinquishing control as well. Yes, that's true. Because I did, well, I spent so many years working on architectural drawings that were super precise and everything's controlled and everything's, you know, and everything means something that somebody's got to take and, and translate into something that exists in the world, but I'm so removed from it, I'm working, everything's two-dimensional surface, and that I decided that I was becoming too... Uh, what's the too tight and the portraits were super tight and all the paintings I ever did were super tight renderings and I'm like this is just making me stressed and small and I want to be I want to be able to surf in life in general and I need to let go so I'm making work I can't control and I know some of the forces at work in 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 this process but yeah. Share a bit more about. Um, it's a it's a liquid form of graphite, uh -huh. and I'm pouring it on non-porous substrates, and I I work um, flat, I work horizontal, and I run around shimming this painting substrate and letting things just the gravity run across and take it and pick it up, and the graphite starts to um, deposit and leave these beautiful patterns behind, like river deltas, yeah. uh, crystal structures, you know, it's like, page, uh, patterns that you'll find in nature. So it, that's what's it, but I'm, I set up parameters. I'll keep certain areas taped off that I want to you know, have a, a sharp edge to, and then just let it fall off the edge and let it just make this beautiful cascade of mineral and dirt and landslide waterfall, whatever, it's going to make it look like, well, I don't say look like, it, it takes the characteristics of, it's a natural process that's showing what this actually makes in the real world, on, on a planetary level. One of the first times I encountered your work, we were talking about seismic forces. Yeah, yeah. Is that still part of the equation? Um, I'm still, I mean, I came that close, uh -huh. fingers up, very close. 
to becoming a geologist at one point because I got really fascinated with, with you know, tides and earthquakes and all this kind of stuff going on. And um, I still, the movement of the planet, I like that sense of time scale. Um, it actually helps you also, it's another way of releasing control. It's like this is way bigger than, than any of us, so I get really interested in that. Um, it's more, these days it's more glacial. It's still based in, in natural processes. Yeah. And it's kind of like me being able to participate in some way um, with that other scale happening on the planet. Yes. By, even though it's a little thing I can, you know, just push around on my table. Yeah. It still talks to that larger process. So we started talking about this in the beginning today, but several months ago, you and I discussed um, Buddhism, yeah. Buddhist teachings, meditation. Right. What came first, do you think, for you, and what role does does meditation, does Buddhist teaching, how does that play into your practice and your process? Oh, well, the, a lot of Buddhism very much is about letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, reserving judgment, mm -hmm. it, you know, the, letting this material be what this material is without me saying, oh, that's, you know, wanting it to be one thing, wanting it to not to be that, wanting it to do this, not do that, is to let this thing happen as it happens in the world and not to force my own ego on it, which is really tough as an artist because you've got to make aesthetic decisions. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm always back and forth with, okay, if I really just wanted to do this whole release it, pour the stuff on it, throw it out in the street, let people run on it, you know, over in the car, and then, you know, whatever happens to it, happens to it. But I also want, I, well, I want to dance with it, for one thing. I feel like I, I'm, when I'm playing with this thing, it's, it's, it's both, it's, I'm, I don't know how to say this. Um, it's not as mechanical as, I will shim this and it will move three inches to the left. It's I'm tipping it and I'm 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 carrying it around with me sometimes and watching it move around depending on how big it is, um, and but it's also making decisions that I don't really I don't really like the way that's happening because it's going to be get get very muddy and it won't have any sort of visual I need some visual differentiation you know the, the, a, a clean line against all that madness mm -hmm. or um, the stark white against all this active black. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm constantly pouring more liquid onto it, chasing it this way, chasing it that way. So I can't say I'm just walking, you know, just saying letting it go and being not attached to it. But I'm I'm not attaching um, a lot of emotional things to it, um, and I'm trying to find the joy in the making of it with hopefully something at the end of it that still sort of makes me sing a little bit when I look at it. So finding that satisfying image or a, yeah. um, acceptable lack of control. Yes, yes. Um, that, that's a dance. I don't know how to... Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I'm balancing that all the time. I, I have a tough time with that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, but I've always... It's that I appreciate the, the taking... Trying to take your ego out of the equation and just participating in this thing that's happening in front of you. Um, that's the goal for me. And hopefully at the end of it, there's still something that sings. 
Yeah, but I think that's the, you know, what takes, you know, hours. Hours, oh yeah. You know, to get to that point where you're not trying to hold too tightly and. Yeah, if if I get really too uptight, if I come at it when I'm not in the right frame of mind, I will end up um, strangling a piece to death. The more I put myself into it and the more of my own, um, I want it to do this, I, I, I force it, try to do this, I kill it every time. What's the indicator that that's happening? How do you um, know that's happening? I, I find myself thinking too much. And I find, um, I can feel like physically start getting tighter. So there's a physical manifestation a, of is. that. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell when it's starting to happen. <laughs> There's yeah. a dichotomy here, though, because you're talking about you know pleasure and a, and a meditative aspect to this practice, right. and yet to me it's like the clock is ticking. It's like I liken it to like screen printing or something, yes. where it's like okay, yes. ink's drying, got exactly. to make some quick no, decisions. you've got and to you've got to do that. So you've got to really be in in with it, and you can keep it going for a while. You can extend it, but you can't extend it forever, right. and it never stops moving. I mean, it's always going to try to find its its own level somewhere, but there's it won't just stop. You'll see. You will see a thousand beautiful things on the way oh, to whatever. Yeah. That so you. That's that's where a lot of the Buddhism comes in. That mm-hmm. whole idea of non-attachment. I. You see it and you have to appreciate it, and there it went. And I part of it, like oh you should photograph it. I'm like, um, mm, I yeah. don't know about that. Yeah. Now, how long typically do you find yourself sitting with a piece? Sitting with a piece, depending on how big it is. A, a big piece, I can, it can take up to like 12, 14 hours. Small pieces, I can do in probably an hour or two. Yeah, little pieces, because they don't have so much movement going on. And they will either work or not work much faster. Gotcha. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, I've only got a, a limited amount of time to scrape it all off, you know. Scrub it back down, and then try again. I find that amazing though, because I'm thinking of graphite, and I haven't used liquid, so maybe yeah. there's a difference. But I'm thinking yeah. of, you know, how uh, dirty oh, a, yeah. a medium <laughs> that can be, and yet, you know, um, looking at the the starkness to most of you, you know, you're talking about like a nice hard edge and yes. and, and the white, the whitest white. It's like, how do you keep? Ooh. Painter's tape is your oh, friend. Oh wow! Now, <laughs> even even See, yes. negotiating it is. the fine art of taping off taping and not off. having something seep under. I and mean, like one you, little splatness. Mm-hmm. And it's it's yeah. <clears throat> you've got the tape, and then you've got you know the medium that you seal the edge of the tape with. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of prep work that goes into it. And then you know you've got to be patient because if you're not patient when it's done, you've got to let it dry for a couple of days before you strip the tape off, and you don't know what it's going to look like yet. So it's got to be, and it takes a good two weeks before it's really seriously, you can run your hand over it and nothing will happen. Yeah. So years, years of uh, R&D figuring a lot of this oh, stuff yeah. out the hard way, I'm sure. Very much like, so. This is amazing. Yeah. Oops. Oops. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Pulled the tape off and then everything runs over and it's like, well, that was, that, oh, that wasn't quite wow. what I planned. But, but sometimes it's a happy accident. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. Now, so that is a very meditative practice yeah. in itself, but when you do sit for meditation, um, what kind of meditation do you practice? Well, style. What style? Well, I sat with, um, this is when I lived in D.C., I 
I, for a couple of years, I sat with Thai monks. So it's Theravada Buddhism, it's the old style Buddhism, it's uh, Vipassana. Basically, you sit and you, everything, and you, you notice your breathing. Mm -hmm. And then you find you like remembering your grocery list and you go, oh, I'm thinking. And you go back and you notice your breathing. Yeah. And you find yourself going, oh, I wonder how much time I have left. You go back and you <laughs> notice your breathing. And it, you get to the point where you notice your thoughts. You, you, you're training your brain not to like grab you by the nose and take you somewhere. So um, you can sit and I will notice the weight of my hand on my leg. I will notice the pressure of my ankles on the floor, on the cushion. And it's like trying to be physically present right now and not letting your brain take you to some place that doesn't exist. Yesterday, tomorrow. So that's what it is for me. And, I've, and it calms me down. And it, if you do it for a, for, a, for a while, you can get to the point where you see, even if there's a part of you that's always like, there you go again, you know that part of you back there? That part is the part that you're invoking. So you, you'll get to see these other parts of you that are like, oh, you're starting to feel um, uh, intimidated by something. You're starting to feel like really, you know, irked by film. But you notice these things, which gives you the opportunity to make a choice of how to react. Which is, and the more you sit and the more you get used to, ah, oh, there is a thought. And coming back to where you are right now, there goes another thought. You can see these, these emotions come by, and you, oh, there's an emotion, and you can make a choice about how you react. So this all serves, I mean, this is, this is textbook um, foundation for what has become popularized as mindfulness meditation. Yeah, it is. And it is. Yeah. It's old. It's really, really old. Well, yeah. the, the very term mindfulness, yeah. I didn't realize. I thought that that, when I first encountered it, oh. I thought that was a pop term. It's not. No, uh -uh. Been around for a while. It's been around for a while. <laughs> Roughly 500 BC, I think. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> Who's counting? Yeah, yeah. The Buddha. That surprised me. Yeah. Um, it seems like a very modern or contemporary concept. It's not. No, I think, I don't know that there's, I think you go back and you find things in history and, and, and you bring them into the popular culture, you, you know kind of spruce up the edges mm -hmm. and make it a little bit more palatable to whatever the culture is at the moment. And, you know, and, and eventually, you, hopefully, some of the basic parts stick around, you know, and all the sparkly stuff around the edges mm -hmm. you know, fades off. Yeah. The, the awareness that you were just talking about when you feel like you're overworking mm -hmm. something, Yeah. that's exactly being aware of that moment. Yeah, that helps you with that. And if I haven't been sitting, I, I, I fell off the cushion a while ago. Did you? Yeah. And I've been sporadic um, since then. I haven't had a real serious daily practice in a long time. But I'll go through bouts when I will, when I will have that. And I can see a qualitative difference in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and do you find it's the consistency of sitting? Yes. Not so much the quantity of sitting. Not the quantity. It's, it's doing it every day. Yeah, yeah like muscle if, memory. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's reinforcing that. And, and, yeah. So, but yeah. So, you know, I, I would like to be doing it more now, but I'm sort of in this sit and spin phase, you know? Sort of like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you, is there a particular time of day that's better for you to sit? Um, generally before the rest of the world intrudes on my day. Yeah. 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 Or late, late at night. Really? Yeah. yeah. Now, I have heard oh, that yeah. it will affect sleep. For um, some, they I, have a problem really? with that. Yeah. That's never been a you're not sleeping anyway. <laughs> no, that's not the problem. I can sleep anywhere. Okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I stand still too long. I go to sleep. <laughs> um, I know. So the meditation pioneer, John Kabat-Zinn, mm-hmm. established, I believe, this idea that you need eight weeks consistent, about 45, I think 45 minutes yeah. a day for eight weeks. Okay. And that, for whatever reason, Stress there free. tends to be a reboot. And the brain. For most people. Yeah. And then from there, it can be shorter. It doesn't have to be a certain amount of time. Yeah. But yeah. consistency is always helpful. When you fall off the cushion, do you find that you need to <laughs> that you need to start back with like an eight week program, something like that, or I just start. Do you? I, I'm not that planned. I used to be that way when I was younger. Now I I'm surfing. I just show up and I'm like, okay, I'm just I'll do it this morning. And then I go about the day, and the next day I show up, and I'm like, oh, I'll do it today, too. And, yeah. Well, don't you think integral to the, the integral to that mindset is the willingness to kind of let yourself go? Like, you know, if you fall off the cushion, that's okay. You that's just okay. get back on it. You when get you, back on when you can. If yeah. You, if you're beating yourself up over it, it's no, that's true. That's, self-defeating. It is. It is. And the more you beat yourself up, the, uh, the, then you have to sit on the cushion and learn, oh, yeah, I'm beating myself up. Right. Uh well i mean i I have to believe that you know what like you said whatever uh ism Mm -hmm. or belief gets you that can bring some kind of either comfort comfort and empathy etc right how is that bad um true unless it's jim jones or something but um uh, (laughs) you know i mean i i still look at say, you know, we're talking about artistic practice, but I mean, it is almost like being, it's similar to training like an athlete. Well, you know, it's like they, they, um, when you're a musician, you practice scales and you practice scales because when that idea hits you, you need to have the chops to pull it off. So as an artist, what do we need to be right. doing? Yeah. And having played, a, you know, instruments a lot of, most of my life, I still oh. feel like a part of that is also, it's a confidence. I mean, not only yes. are your muscles in shape, but you're right. not thinking, because I mm-hmm. run into that, like, and that's probably why I'm a daily studio person, because I okay. hate that feeling of, like, if I haven't done something, then you, it, it's already in your head, like, oh, I'm rusty, or this, yes. and it's like, you know, I and want to try to stay as, right. um, you know, and at the same time, like, hearing you talk about, uh, did you say six weeks or six months? Six months I stopped you know, making work. And Just, I, that's, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now, I know it's going to be a hard start. Breaks are, are good, yeah. and at some point, yeah. you know, I probably need to uh, mm-hmm. look into something like that. But, but you, you know what? I was getting to the point where it was becoming I, I, like something I had to do. Like, oh, I have to do this. I'm like, not have to do it like I don't want to do it, but it's like, get in the studio, get in the studio. I was like forcing myself, and I, I started thinking I'm not really happy. And uh, so I just stopped, and now I'm starting to get all charged up about it again. I've got, I've, I've got some new ideas about things I want to start playing with, some, you know, some, some conceptual ideas. No, I think about that is extremely healthy, and it's so yeah. common. You know, a lot of books I find myself reading talk 
about doing just that. You yeah. know, like Rebecca Solnit has written how many oh, books yes. about, mm-hmm. you know, get lost, go search, you know, um, versus, you know, like getting in the damn studio every day and work, 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 work. I know, I know. You know, it's that. I'm starting to feel like a slave to that mentality. Like I have to get in, I have to do this. I'm like, you know, I I don't have to do anything. Right. And it's like, you know, stepping back and we're like, you know, no, everything's a choice. I'm choosing to do this to myself. Yes. But to have the right mindset, I mean, I, I keep, really battling with that you know yeah. like all right this should be mm-hmm. fun you know you talk about pleasure you know right. in your statement and it's yeah. like you know there are certainly pleasurable aspects but uh, you know like what do you bring into the t- if you're walking in and you're right. already uh you know pissed off how are you expecting to you know because i don't i don't view an art practice as therapy necessarily no. i don't want it to be you no, know no, but no. at the same time yeah you know to try to really think like i'm not working in a coal mine right no but, yeah, what, should but be... whatever you bring in is what's going to manifest on the table or on the canvas yeah. you know mm-hmm. so um i was starting to make um uh work i wasn't really happy with and i realized it was just a manifestation of how i wasn't really happy with what was going on in general and it was sort of this nothing's working mm-hmm. kind of thing um, you know in, in all aspects nothing was working yeah. and I'm like okay we're just going to stop doing this right now and try to fix some other things and it, hopefully get that um, you know something some what's the word I want um, you get it um, something rolling that carries some positive thing that's happening somewhere in your life it's going to get some momentum mm-hmm. and then you can start back in the studio and carry on and, and I don't know if it worked it's, it's, it's working some um, well it's like finding the you know on full of cliches but like you know that, that yeah. path of least resistance you talk about like how graphite was this liberating yeah you know, I sometimes wonder that. Like, I have this weird schism, and it shouldn't be a big deal, but between, like, painting and drawing. Yeah. Like, those oh. two different switching back and forth. And yes. some days I'm just thinking, like, you know, when I'm drawing, I feel like I should be painting. And vice versa, it's this mm. just beating the hell out of myself. <laughs> you and know, though, I, you know the magic about this stuff that I'm using? I don't know if I'm drawing or painting. Yeah. I know, but I noticed yeah. you refer to as painting, which I think is well, lovely. I do, and I do, and I go back and forth. I call it experimental drawing. And then I call it painting, and I keep I, I can't decide what it is, which is you know maybe it doesn't maybe, maybe it doesn't have, maybe to, be it doesn't have to be anything. It's just yeah. image making, image object and image making. I don't know. I, hmm. hmm. Well, okay. So yeah, I don't know what to call it. I don't know that it needs a label though. But again, you know, yeah, that is that's that need to label to quantify. Yes. And going back to the production, we talk about this repeatedly. That desire, that drive, we need to be producing something. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, why is that? And why does it? Why does it have to be quantified? Why does it have to have a label on it? I mean, just as you said, there are uh, consequences for either producing or not producing. Um, but what is it? Is it? Is it? What's the fear if you're not? I think it's great that you took six months from. Yeah. It took that long too before I started feeling like I wanted to go there again. I was I was really worried that I wouldn't ever go back. But, but worried why? Identity? No, no. I just because it I've committed so much time, yeah. energy, resources. But then again, you know what? If you don't go back, you, I. So I did that. Now I do something else. It's like let go. 
let go. This is where I need to be sitting more. So it's because I'm like, oh, well, I've already started down that path. Well, that doesn't mean you have to continue down that path. Right. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I yeah. think I'm constantly reminded, like, hey, this, this, this is, is a, a choice. choice. Exactly. Uh, it is. It might not my, be the greatest choice yeah, it, on some levels. And, it would, <laughs> you know, and, and all the, you know, ah, oh, trying to make work and do a full day. You know what? People do that. And it's a choice. And no bitching. You know, yeah. just, just make that choice and do that thing. So Duchamp, if you look at his production, there were periods where he was planning for something, might plan for something for two or three years. Some of the critics have said, looking back through history, that it was actually laziness and not (laughs) brilliance. Have you heard this? Do you think this is a post-industrial thing where you have to be like producing all the time? Yeah, and that's what I keep getting back to is like he, he didn't, he found other ways to survive um, right. during those times, but so what if it was? I don't. So why do we have to call it laziness or you know? Why, do, because where's that value judgment coming from? Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like J.D. Salinger. It's like why did you know? Why did he stop? Whether he was writing or not, apparently he was writing. Okay, but I but always think yeah. like you know, some people can go for a. I mean, I think most creative people are. You're always thinking. Yes. You're always yeah, thinking about true. what yeah. you're working on and whether you're physically in a studio making a widget or not. You're creating. Um, you know, I think Something, that's yeah. the thing. It's hard to shut this this monster off. Well, yes, with, that's true. It, and you, it cha- you can channel it into other things in your life. Yes. And yes, that, you know, sure. that creative energy will show up in other places. But some people can come in and you know mm-hmm. knock a show out, and yeah. then they need uh-huh. to go to you know yeah. Valley for right. whatever. And yes. there's nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, that's true. Yeah. Studio yeah. hermits. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's the thing. At the end, it doesn't really matter. It's like what's yeah. what's the work. What's the work and 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 making and making it work for you that that time in between whatever you need in order to make the work that's yeah. all that matters. I mean, some of the best songs, not just hits, you know, are the ones that were written. Oh yeah. You know, literally at the end of a session, you know, the bands half the bands not even in the studio, that kind of stuff. And I think you got to pay attention to that. And I guess that's everyone. You have to know your rhythm, and uh, and you know, and sometimes I do think that you know, if you. If you are at it and you're at it and you're at it and you you've got this, you get your brain wired in the right way, and then you can just let go and then these other things just show up. Sort of when you're not paying attention. Do you find that you jot things down? That you sketch things out? I sketch things out. Okay. Yeah, I do. What would you say you're sketching out? What is it exactly? Are you sketching out the parameters? Or are you? I do. I sketch do out the parameters. I've I've got a. A big scroll. I've got this thing I want to make that is a 20 foot tall black waterfall, and I've sketched out the mechanism that would attach it to the ceiling. Wow. So the rest of it is just going to happen. I don't know how it's going <laughs> to. All by yourself, or would there be, would you need assistance for something that big? For something that big, I would just need big space. It might be nice to have, you know, one or two other people because I'll be up at a ladder. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll be basically pulling this thing out of a wallpaper trough. That's the idea of the moment. Um, and walking it up a ladder, hanging it from the ceiling, and letting it just run. Wow. Now, do you have a place for this yet? No. You're going to shop it later, or? Yeah. Uh... I've had this in my head for a while. Really? Yeah. I, I, it was, I put it in a couple of proposals, but nobody's agreed to let me do it yet. <laughs> but you've got to see it come to fruition. Oh, yeah. One of these days. Yeah. Oh, I will. Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. Do you get extra pieces out of, uh, like a piece like that, you know, in terms of like something that catches overflow, 
drips, oh. etc. Like this, it's like going along the chance idea. Not generally, um, because I've set up the parameter that I know I want this many feet of fabric. I want it this wide. It's gonna, and then I, I don't know. You know what? I'm if I did that thing and it didn't pan out, but I ended up with a really nice section in it. I could probably trim it down, and turn it into a Japanese scroll. I don't know. Um, you know, when we were kind of talking about uh, not looking for the easy way out, but yeah. sometimes the obvious that, uh, that's in front of you. You know, and I just yeah. sometimes think about like the by what might be the right, byproducts of your work. Sometimes that you're like, that be. actually is more interesting <laughs> than the yeah. work. You know what? Yeah. Um, what I do with that is uh, I I've noticed that it'll make this pattern, and then I'll go and I'll take that that whatever process made that thing, and I'll make a big one of it. And do a commit a commit to that process, rather than raid that piece. Gotcha. So if I see this really cool little thing that happened down the end, I'm not going to do like a widow's cut. Um, I'll uh, just go and and figure out what happened there, and then make it happen on a big scale on something mm -hmm. else. That's how I got the books, because I, I noticed when you dipped it in something in two surfaces and you pull them apart, you get this beautiful intricate mirrored pattern so I started dipping all this paper to make books out of it so and that was because I saw that, painting that show yes yeah, yeah. it's burned mm -hmm. into my brain and from yeah. white space that was really? fantastic oh, yeah, it was. Was, oh thank yeah. you wow it, it that it, space and everything it just came together and it worked oh that's what I appreciate really. that I do and you got and there was a commission that resulted from that as well right yeah um I did a couple pieces for um uh, Gensler the architects in town for one of their new buildings. That's good. Yeah, that worked out really well. They like uh, one of the pieces. I'm like, that's great. I, I I sort of told them what they would sort of kind of maybe be like because <laughs> I can't really exactly make right. what it is. But they were okay with that. They've got to be okay with you that. You got to be okay with yeah. that when you commission something. You don't know exactly what it's like. I don't know what you're going to get either, but it's going to be sort of kind of so like I, this. <laughs> so when you so when you put a proposal together, yes. what does that look? How do you um, how do you dance around that? I will. All right. There's. Um, I. The proposals aren't necessarily about. Oh, how do I say this? I did a proposal for a library full of black books, and it was all about the undulation of the book sizes on the walls and the uh, tables with the big open books on them. So that's not necessarily about the. And then I will just include an image of a book I have done. Or um, generally, I will. Get into. AutoCAD and do a real quick rendering of their space or their room or something like that. Um, the old gel comes in handy. Um, some of those old brain cells still are there. And yeah, then that's quite I an advantage. take my work, yeah. something that already existed, and or I'll do a sketch of something that's like, all right, solid black here, and then it's like, oh, just pencil madness over here. Then something's going to happen. <laughs> right? And then a miracle happens, right? Um, and then that's what I will say. It's going to be sort of this progression of these kinds of images. It is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. It's that, tough. Yeah. But but if you know my work, you know it's going to be yeah. black and white. You know it's going to be kind of graphic in some way, and it's going to be organic. It's it's going to be this this tension between the controlled and the uncontrolled. Well, if both parties are okay with that up front, yeah, you've got an yeah. ideal right. situation. It's tough when people don't know me, though, and they yeah. don't know my work. Yeah, it's hard to say yes, and we're gonna, and I'm gonna do this, and it's gonna, you know, this thing's gonna, and they're like, oh yeah, okay. 
uh, this artist is another flaky artist yeah. here. Yeah. And the, the, I, I, I hate doing this, but every once in a while, I have to like put on their, you know, that sort of the archetypal history, uh -huh. just so people go, oh, she's working a professional job. She knows how to make things. How to, you know, she's analytical. She could, she can, you know, see a project through kind of stuff. Which buys me a little bit more street cred for wow. the artist. I think. You know, why wouldn't you? That, that I don't know. It's just, yeah, because I don't. I don't do that anymore. It's not really. I would. I always feel like my whole time working doing that, I was like faking it, because I was really an artist who just like yeah. couldn't figure out how to be an artist. So the imposter syndrome. I've, I've yeah. heard yeah, that from, it, but most yeah. people, I think, I, read, I think everybody goes through that, especially everybody. like in their twenties or yeah. You know, but 30s, I did that for twenty years 40s. in architecture <laughs> practice. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of art or architects I meet are you know are They're first all and foremost frustrated artists. artists. You know, they are. Uh, when so, I, yeah, when I told the last commercial firm that I was working for in in California that I was leaving, they were, they, you know, the, the guy that I was working for, he's like, took me out to lunch. He says, yeah, I said, I, I said let's go to lunch. And he's like, oh, oh no. no. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm leaving. He said, where are you going? He said, I'm going back to art school. And he like lit up, like, because he would yeah. make mobiles. That was his thing. He would make these, you know, and like, you're a frustrated sculptor. I get it. You know, and he's like, he, they were all so excited for me because they were all like, she yeah. made it. She's going out yeah. to do the thing we all, you know, I, I can't say they all want to do that. But, you know, there's, there's this little part, I think, that's frustrated artists and all of them. They're, architects that are artists that have to make something practical. Sure. Yeah. Then make something that people can yeah. interact with, be in, will, you know, have some sort of impact, emotional impact spatial you know but those impact. skills I mean I, I scale, yeah. I'm envious I wish I I had I always get a kick out of people like oh you know do you study architecture I'm like are you kidding yeah. have you looked at my <laughs> drawings <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. uh -huh. but anyway no but uh, I think that's why that's why some of this resonates so you've got like, well, this sort of this urban planning and and all this architecture <laughs> in there it's a way of a thinking demented urban you know what though and and Stuart has that as well. I mean, she doesn't have any That's architecture true. training, yeah. but she's got. It's a way of pulling things apart, and a way of looking and studying uh -huh. and playing with things. Yep. Um, and, and architects have that too. And some some people are just born with that, yeah. and some of them end up in architecture school, and some of them become artists, and some become. And to me, that's that that is you know yeah. art school. It's a shame that they're, uh, at least in my experience, they're yeah. they're so. Um, Separated, separated or segregated, oh, yeah. you know, and, and like or interior design, like an art, in yeah, art of all things, true. like why there are these silos, you know, literally yes. almost with barbed wire, like you will not play with them. Yeah. Whereas right. it's all, you know. Well, but and then you have design thinking come along, come along, which is kind of a way of saying, yeah, creativity is important, and you know, but we're still not gonna you <laughs> let everybody. It's got to be marketable. Yeah. That's the difference. It's like the artists are like, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, we hope to eat. You know, yeah, um, which is unfortunate it's that way. But um, and every all the others are they're making things that are going to manifest in the world and be traded for money. That's more the forethought than I think than the artists. What's well, it being like a director is the thing I think of like like big big name architects that have yeah. these visions that yeah. you know that yes. do these giant buildings. And, Star architects, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean that and the ego that must. Be. Oh. Come along with that. Just say no, no. It's this is this how way. it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. But um, and then I think of like the only parallel is like, is like a director in my mind that can keep that that not scale one vision. You know, like hundreds of visions yes. and minutia and ah. 
Well, they, they I mean, I know in, in architectural, they tell you we're going to teach you how to see the forest and the trees simultaneously. And the ones who are really good at doing that are the ones that are you know, going to manage the projects. And so I was holding this till oh, what you got later. Ahead. Have you read this, uh, Where the Heart Beats? John Cage, Zen Buddhism, and the Inner Life of Artists. Ooh. I didn't realize just how, because I hadn't delved into the biography, the story yet. But um, so he was, it says here in uh, Where the Heart Beats by Kay Larson, it says that Cage, um, at this particular point in his life, had been struggling with self judgment, self loathing, and anxiety, uh, fear of being himself. He had a powerful need to be himself, too. And the mystics of West and East have told him to look up from his four walls to see the sky. Now, what he found important in these teachings was the idea of, you know, not becoming attached, not seeking outside yourself, letting go of thoughts, and abandoning value judgments. And in our discussion here, I've tried to, you know, it, I was mentally kind of, yeah. a checklist of all of those came up. Yes. That's that is that's basic. That's super basic Buddhism. It's you create your own misery. So if you by trying to cling to things because everything is ephemeral, everything's gonna change, you cling to it, you are it, that's a heartache right there. A guaranteed heartache. So you can't cling to things. You can't hold on to things, everything's gonna change. That's what I'm talking about, surfing, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know. Um and you can't pass, you judge things. This is good, this is bad, I like that, I don't like that. That is sitting around your ego. So if you can let go of your ego, everything is, ex everything's, I mean, obviously, some things are unacceptable, starvation, you know, and, and violence, and, but um, generally the little things that we all decide, oh, I don't like that, I don't like Brussels sprouts, I don't, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. pick some minutia. Um, it creates a stress in your life. Yeah. It's like, let go. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. When, way back when I was actually really, really, um, I got to the point where I was getting too uh, unattached. And it scared me. That's one reason okay, I I've, okay. stopped doing it for yeah. a little while. Um, because I stopped caring uh -huh. uh, about a lot. Uh -huh. And um, But if you can get to the place where you, you are still engaged, but you are not um, being, what we're talking about, always constantly being enraged or outraged by something. Well, you can take that emotion, notice that, okay, I'm feeling this hostility, I'm feeling this frustration, and you neuter it for its effect on your, your stress and your, your body and your immune system, but you take that and you can channel it into something a little more positive, do something with it that's more positive, that's not driven out of hate and rage and, and right. all that. Um, that's a goal for me as well. I think that's what they're talking about too. Non-attachment, judgment. Seeking outside yourself. Seeking outside yourself. Letting go of thoughts. Oh, the seeking outside of yourself. That's basically um, something will make me happy. Something outside of me is going to make me happy. That's right. And when you are, when you can get to the point where you see these, that I'm, I'm feeling unhappy because X. I'm feeling happy because of X. And you can, you, you neuter that too. It's like, 
No, I get to choose how I feel about things. And happiness, I think, is kind of a, it's a false goal. I think I'm looking for peace of mind more than happiness. Happiness is this sort of, it's the, happy, the high and, you know, misery and the low. And I'm looking for something in the middle that's this sort of sense of well-being that um, and people chase after the happiness, and the more you chase, the more it's going to, I think the farther it gets from you. That's the cliche, but I think it's true. What concerns me about all of this is that our culture is now structured mm-hmm. and wired in the exact opposite it is. way that, that, would, that yes. would cultivate that kind of existence. Advertising. Advertising is yes. all, this will make you happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you do this, if you own this, if you have this. Yes. We are bombarded by it now more than ever. But what I'm really interested in lately is this, you know, it's built into APIs and, you know, if I'm building an app, you know, I'm going to have the ability to go ahead and add the review function. Thumbs up, thumbs down. There's this, there, we, we are kind of wiring, rewiring ourselves to need to apply a values judgment to, to everything, everything. every it's statement, true. every, mm-hmm. you know, I saw this, I had this sandwich, thumbs up, yeah. and when really you should just let these things cascade and they are what they are. Exactly. Or maybe not even pay attention at all. And even in, even in city life, you know, I, just as you were talking, I had the desire for that person to turn their, the st- turn stereo. the stereo down, yeah. right? Right. Well, you know, I can't control that and I've got to let that go. Let that go. And we're, you know, and clanging and banging, you want these things to stop. And we are wiring ourselves now to, uh, you should have control over that, and I want results immediately. Yes. That's very true. It's, it's actually a little frightening to me. It is very scary. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that, that I enjoy about what we're talking about here is that you really illustrate to me how the process of art making is counter to that. Absolutely. And that it requires so much more of the contemporary mind. Um, now, it's more demanding. because you, You've got to make that choice now. Where before, you, you could just sort of put yourself in a situation where you wouldn't be bombarded with this all the time. Not as much as you are today. Now it's coming at you on every single screen, every single device you own. and They're asking you to pass judgment on things. Said. And if you're an artist... I've got to get this on Instagram, and I've got to look at how many how many likes do I have? How, you I know. know. How, um, well, that's like you you were looking at the shelves earlier, and uh, you know I was thinking a lot of people look at art online, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But I find like I the minute I'm on Instagram looking, it's not relaxing. You know, no. again, suddenly it's there's this. Thing that kicks in and you're looking at you know how do you not look at numbers or liking this or who's liking what and you're consuming yeah but it's 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 not a great it's not a good feeling, feeling versus no. pulling a book off a shelf and yeah, like oh. no I, I'm very slowly easing myself out of the whole social media thing um, I yes a lot of people deal with it what I'm really interested in right now is taking things that exist information um, Things that only exist uh, as ideas, um, the, the idea of pie, all this, turning it into a physical thing now. Like taking these these ideas, and I've, I've taken um, 
passages from um, Rilke and um, the, the Buddha, and I've, I've actually written them with the graphite, and then let them just run down the page and become this this physical thing, uh, the lumpy graphite all over this this mm -hmm. thing, and taking this thing that doesn't exist and turning it back into something that exists, because I think we've had so much of our lives that existed has now been taken from us and put into this virtual place that doesn't really exist, yes. except the way we have assembled them in our heads. When I was last at your studio, I think I saw the first yeah. first one of those works, I believe. Yeah, that was actually that, par that was the parable of the raft we talked That's about. That's right. Yeah. That is right. Yeah. yeah. Put down the raft. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm starting a series of those, I think. And right. I don't know if there should be paintings. I don't know what they should be yet. I gotta make stuff and figure out what it wants to be. And that's a cliche. But, but there's that, that looking and the time, and you know, yeah. like you were saying, sometimes looking at something that's a, a year old or whatever, or yeah. just older work, and it's amazing how you can finally see it for what it is instead of like, well, you've you know, because if you, it is new, you're gonna you, not gonna recognize it. What the hell is this? You're not gonna recognize it, and you're still too much of your own, uh, something of you abides in it for a long time, for me. And it takes a long time for that to go away, and I can look at it like, oh, where did that come With from? With fresh eyes. Yeah. So it dissipates that. Yeah, that I, I don't... Is that attachment? It's... It's not necessarily attachment to it, because I wouldn't care if it went away. Okay. But I, I'm too intimately connected to it. In a, in a, um, I see things... I continually see things the same way because I was so close to it, and then when I finally can walk away and come back at it, I'm like, oh, I didn't ever really notice this or have this other, you walk away and you have a new perspective, you have new context for it, and you come back and you see it again without you setting the context as, you come back without your physical interaction with it setting its context, and you come back after another year away, and it's got an entirely different context around it. I agree. I think sometimes it's just like having once work is out of the studio and, and hanging somewhere. It's like there's enough distance, distance. and time comes in, and suddenly it's like can peacefully coexist. Yeah. It's not like I don't feel like I'm the person who made it, but it's suddenly like I, I'm, there's a nice indifference. Yeah. Right, exactly. The Which is a good thing. Yeah. Like I don't want to, I'm not, you know, hating it or something like that but um, I don't know if this tangent makes sense but I pay attention to um, singers in particular and a lot of my favorite vocalists hate hearing their voice back like in a recording studio yeah. and there's different tricks some people want to be all alone like in a stairwell some, some people want an audience in the studio watching them to egg them on blah 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 it goes on and on and um, I've never liked my voice I still you know and okay. playing um and it's funny, but just to hear like successful singers that are noted for their quality even saying like I can't stand listening back. So do you think is it is it a dissatisfaction that's going to keep them trying to do something? I mean, it could you do be. what you do what you do. Maybe it's a healthy distance, you know, to yeah. keep your. I guess what I'm stumbling around here is we're we're talking about criticality, which can be mm -hmm. a very dangerous thing. And yet, as an artist, though, or really as anybody in life, but especially creative work. Mm -hmm. It, it's it's helpful to be able to judge like what what should leave, what should stay in a it's, drawer. Well, it's aesthetic judgment, it's, which is it's just different than an emotional 
you know, em emotional attachment to. I, I get it. I, you, it's you, not you, there yet. <laughs> well, you're talking about having that, that space. I think sometimes an aesthetic, an aesthetic judgment has that, that space engendered in it. Um, yes. I guess I just think it's like the same thing that can benefit you. Is it's also like can be very abusive, very like a, an abusive relationship. You know, if you're, yeah. like you like you <laughs> yeah. said, everything yeah. is a value judgment, like yeah. the yeah. cup of coffee you had, or yeah, uh, yeah, you know, the chair you're sitting in. Well, and, and and it's it's difficult too if you're trying to make work and people, you know, people are so trained now to give you know thumbs up and thumbs down. You put anything out and you know, show anything, anybody, like everyone feels like they have to respond and and say something and, and it's like you don't have to say anything or you can on Instagram at brain fuzz podcast <laughs> <laughs> always with hashtag brain fuzz podcast <laughs> and visit us at brainfuzzpodcast.com if you're listening to this on Apple Google Play um, please like us uh, subscribe <laughs> our egos are yeah. and review <laughs> give us a five star review yeah <laughs> Um, get attached and subscribe. Now, your work. What's your website? And <laughs> in, in all your social media properties? In, uh, in all my social media properties. I'm only on Instagram. Okay. Um, because it's got no words. Um, or very few words. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> because I usually have English as a second language day for me every day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is www. It's my first initial and last name. S R E I. L L Y S Riley dot com. Very good. Yeah, and you can find me at S Riley Studio on Instagram. And if you like clouds, you can find me at Noctilucent on Instagram. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> yeah. I just take lots of pictures of clouds. They're ephemeral. They go away. They're beautiful and then they're gone. And yeah, I love them. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at BrainFuzz Podcast. Get show notes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. On social media, use hashtag brainfuzzpodcast. Remember though, you don't have to do anything.